Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Good afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is the 27th of Elul, which means two days left of this year, of 5780, of the year that... Uh, People are thinking that they would like to forget, but it is a great week because we're talking about the build-up here to the great Chag, the great festival of Rosh Hashanah. And of course, Rosh Hashanah, otherwise known as New Year, but really it is Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. That occurs on Friday night, Shabbos, Saturday night and Sunday, the two consecutive days of Rosh Hashanah, heralding the arrival of a brand new phase in our lives, a brand new year. Rosh Hashanah 5781. And as we head into that new year, I'm sure that everybody agrees that uh, this is going to be a Rosh Hashanah like no other. Never before have we celebrated a Rosh Hashanah like this. Not in our lifetime and maybe not even in history. This is going to be something exceptional and something historic. And we need to remember that um, there is... Really, nothing miserable about that. There is nothing negative about that. On the contrary, the whole advent of Rosh Hashanah and of a brand new year and of this very, very special Chag, if we believe at all in the power of the Almighty and if we believe at all in the power of special times and special dates in the Jewish calendar, we know that everything is by divine providence and everything has been worked out by God Almighty, and that it needs to be exactly like it is. And whether you are davening at home or whether you are davening in shul, whether you are saying your prayers in public or whether you're saying your prayers in private, um, the power of the time, the power of the day is exactly the same. And on the contrary, perhaps we could say that because we have had to have so much Call it Mesiras Nefesh. We've had to have so much uh, that has been affected upon us over the last six months that I have no doubt, and I'm sure that you have no doubt, that this Rosh Hashanah is going to carry with it some exceptional power. There is going to be the power within this Rosh Hashanah of being able to see the light within the darkness, which we have learned how to do over the last six months. To be able to truly appreciate, <coughs> excuse me, to be able to truly appreciate how God Almighty is in control of everything. How we thought before the advent of COVID-19, how we thought before that we could plan and that we knew what was going to be happening at any time in the, in the past, present and future. We knew nothing. We know nothing. It is all in God's power. It's all in God's hands. But there is so much that we can do. And we can only be expected to do what we can do. And we can only be expected to reach the pinnacle of the powers that are invested within each and every one of us to be able to accomplish and do our very, very best. And so in this year of COVID-19, in this year of pandemic, in this year of Rosh Hashanah 2020, or in the year of Rosh Hashanah 5781, we have that power in our hands. We have that power around us. We have the ability to go into this year with such a positive attitude, knowing that so much good is in store for us, 
that we have been through some dark days and some difficult times and we've experienced losses and we've experienced um, troubles from a business point of view, from a social point of view, from a human point of view, from a financial point of view. We've experienced all of that and we're in no way negating the uh, trauma and the trouble and the uh, terror and the difficulties that we have had to endure. But we are now looking at Rosh Hashanah, a brand new lease on life, a brand new um, godliness that comes into the world on the Rosh Hashanah and a brand new year that lies ahead. And it's a time of such positive energy. It's a time of such positive uh, wavelengths that are all around us and such a positive atmosphere that this Chag, that this special Yom Tov connotes. And no, it's not a sad day. A lot of people feel or have felt, I guess, that because it's so serious and because we talk about it as Yom Adin, that it's a sad day. No, Rosh Hashanah is a Chag and it is a, it is a festival. We celebrate, we eat, we uh, drink, we are uh, making Kiddush, we are involved in the Simchas Yom Tov, in the Simcha of the Chag, as much as we are in remembering that this is the day on which Everything in the world is judged. It's not only us and not only our lives and not only the things that we did right or wrong in the past year and the promises that we've made for the coming year. But everything in the year and everything in the year ahead is judged. It is set aside. It is measured and it's placed there uh, for us. And our attitude needs to be one of triumph. Our attitude needs to be one of joy and our attitude needs to be one of positive, positive energy because that is truly what this coming Rosh Hashanah is really all about. That is truly what this coming Rosh Hashanah has to and will and should mean to each and every one of us. So how do we do it? What are the things that we need to know? For Rosh Hashanah, so we're going to try and go through it as Judaism 101.9, the very basics of uh, what we need to bear in mind, what we need to know for the next few days in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah, then Rosh Hashanah itself, and then perhaps delving a little bit into some of the important things that we should be saying and why over uh, Rosh Hashanah in our prayers, in our services, um, whether you are in shul or whether you're at home, whether you're doing this alone, whether you're doing it with others, this is something that we hopefully can all ingest, understand, and learn from. So let's first of all address the next few days. We're in the midst of the days of slichot, slichas, which are said early in the morning in most communities, in most shuls, during this week, in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah. And of course, we get to the um, ultimate day of slichas, which is of Rosh Hashanah, which is going to be on Friday morning, where a longer slichot is said. It takes a little bit longer. The services may start a bit earlier than they have been up until now. And then we follow the davening by something called Hatarat Nadarim, Hataras Nadarim, where we do the um, nullification of vows. Now, being that many people will be unable to be in shul, see notices from the Beth Din to say that this can be done actually over Zoom or over a WhatsApp call. However, it should be done with three people sitting in one place to act as the Beit Din, as the uh, kind of the ad hoc court that is established in order to expunge, in order to exonerate people from vows that they may have taken inadvertently. And Atoros Nadorim can be affected in that way, of course, 
Better if it can be done in person, but of course, if it cannot be done in person, it can be handled over one of those mechanisms in the prescribed fashion. So I'd suggest that if you want to do it, speak to your own local rabbi, see when it is being done in your community, when there'll be three people that you can um, list your vows to or uh, do the Hattoris Nadorim service, and that all should take place, if possible, on Friday. And then we get into the preparations for Rosh Hashanah. And we will be uh, speaking about those right after the break. But Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, welcome back. This is Rabbi Michael Katz here with Judaism 101.9. It's uh, great to be in your company this afternoon. We're talking about things to do with Rosh Hashanah. So we get to Rosh Hashanah. Remember that the first day of Rosh Hashanah this year, of course, is a Shabbos. So Friday night and Shabbat. Now that changes a couple of things in our um, uh, activities and what we do on Rosh Hashanah because, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the main mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah is the sounding of the shofar. And we wait an entire year for it, but when Rosh Hashanah coincides with Shabbat, with Shabbos, we do not sound the shofar. One of the reasons that is given, of course, is that um, people are not used to it and they may carry the shofar. So clearly the sounding of the shofar is not the point of the fact that you're making music or anything like that. It doesn't seem to be that at all, but rather the idea of carrying the shofar, that people might slip up and carry it where there's no eruv and so on, and therefore it became uh, the practice not to sound the shofar on a Rosh Hashanah that coincides with Shabbat. But there's a much more important um, deeper uh, rule, and that is that the idea of the sounding of the shofar, one of the ideas behind it that we have mentioned before, is the concept of the coronation of the king, crowning of the king. And the crowning of the king um, is uh, accompanied by great fanfare. And could you imagine what greater fanfare there could be than Shabbat itself? Shabbos is this great fanfare for the king, and it is unnecessary to have the shofar sounded on that day when we kind of when we have one um, uh, accolade and one special opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me, we do not need to add to that and make it doubled. And so the sounding of the shofar is uh, relegated or delayed or placed only on the second day of Rosh Hashanah in a year when Shabbat coincides with Rosh Hashanah. Now that means that on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we do not sound the shofar at all, not in the early morning, not in the afternoon, not at any time. Shofar sounding does not take place. It is delayed until the second day. Now, on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the only day on which the shofar has to be sounded and will be sounded this year, it kind of makes that a double impact kind of a day. We need to now make absolutely sure, although there is really no difference between sounding the shofar on the first day and the second day, when we have a regular year, in other words, one that does not coincide with Shabbos, here on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, shofar is sounded, make sure you get to hear the shofar sounded on the Rosh Hashanah. Now, in and amongst all the things that people are preparing for Rosh Hashanah, when I talk about 
um, shuls getting themselves ready for this Rosh Hashanah, as we said, a Rosh Hashanah like no other, a celebration and a festival like we've never had before. Um, people are having to redesign shuls. People are having to redesign their lists. Everything that you thought worked according to some form of a matrix and some kind of a system in the past is out the window. All of that is gone. It is completely and absolutely different. We need to remember and we need to kind of pay homage to the fact that rabbis, communities, people around uh, Johannesburg as well as around the country, as well as around the world, have made all sorts of very, very special contingency plans to ensure that everybody can still get to hear the shofar. Now, this is whether you're in shul or not in shul. How are we going to do that? No, we're not using Zoom and we're not using WhatsApp and we're not using the technology that uh, is readily available because we're not allowed to use that on Yom Tov. We're not allowed to use that on Shabbos. And therefore, that stuff is all out the window. What we are going to be doing and what people are going to be doing in and around the world for uh, the hearing of the shofar is to have multiple shofar blowing services. So contact your shul, speak to your rabbi, speak to your community. And there are so many opportunities to hear the shofar. And in addition to that, there are great and wonderful volunteers, people who have volunteered of their time on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, no, not to sit down and uh, relax and eat a sumptuous meal and then go to Shlofer for a little bit in the afternoon. No, but to spend the afternoon, spend the day of Rosh Hashanah going around to enable as many people as can be reached to hear the sound of the shofar. And it's a simple idea that you can participate in if you hadn't thought about it up until now. And that is that you can just be in touch either with your rabbi or you can be in touch with us at Chabad, or you can be in touch with the radio station and they'll direct you to hear a shofar near you. And if you can't get to a spot, to a place to hear the shofar sounded on Sunday, the shofar will be brought to you as long as, of course, you're within reach. Um, not promising that we're going to be able to blow the shofar for uh, somebody who's stranded um, in Horebis Bodem or somewhere uh, in a place like that. There we would suggest you get your own shofar and blow it yourself. And yes, that has been something very significant about this Rosh Hashanah as well. And that is that it has enabled so many people to become more proficient in everything that they need to do to ensure that they too can blow the shofar, that they too can do the things that are needed and uh, ready themselves to sound the shofar for themselves, for their families, for the people who are in their immediate surroundings, perhaps for some next door friends and neighbors, um, been given uh, a whole lot of, uh, we've had run through Chabad, a whole lot of courses uh, to people around the country to be able to enable them to sound the shofar for their constituents, for the people that up until now haven't been reached or didn't think that they could be reached. And through this sounding of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah and through the COVID-19 pandemic, so many more people are being enabled and so many more people are being uh, thought about and so many more people are being cared for. Yes, you might tell me, well, the majority of those people would have heard it in shul anyway, on the Rosh Hashanah, but the point is that there is a 
system of volunteers and there is a system of people who have learned something that they may never have learned in their lives had it not been for 2020 and for this pandemic and for the difficulties that we were thrust into. And so the sounds of the shofar, which is obligatory, which is something we need to hear, we must hear it on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, is going to be so widely available. Please take advantage of the opportunity. Don't miss the chance either get to the places where the shofar will be sounded. That doesn't mean that you have to go and pray in the uh, shul, and it doesn't mean that you have to be involved in the services, and it doesn't mean you have to compromise health in any way. God forbid. We're not talking about that. We're talking about doing it in the safe, uh, safest possible fashion, or alternatively getting a volunteer to come and sound the shofar by you. So that is the essence of what we need to try and accomplish on the Rosh Hashanah is hearing the sound of the shofar. But there is so much more to this big and bold and beautiful Chag, this beautiful, beautiful festival, this time of renewal and this time of uh, spiritual cleansing and this time of the coronation of the king and this time of heralding the arrival of the newness that the new Rosh is going to bring to this entire year that it is a real, real power time that we should tap into, we should be involved with, and we should think about over the coming days, and particularly to spend the time doing all the right and the good things over Rosh Hashanah itself. There is an age-old tradition that on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, on your Yom Tov table, in addition to all the things that you have for Yom Tov, we have the tradition of having round chalot, round chalas, round kitkas, and that the roundness is, of course, showing us the cycle of the year, the idea of things continuing and so on. Then we dip the chala in honey instead of only in salt. There are many who do salt and honey, many just the honey, but we dip the chala in honey. And the honey, of course, connotes the sweetness, the sweetness that we need to bring out in this coming year. And we need to make sure that everything is sweet, delectable, and tasty. We're then going to, uh, once we have dipped the challah in honey, we're going to dip a piece of apple in honey. Now, I have told you here before that the apple is symbolic of a fruit, A, that is given by God, B, that has Hashem's signature through the fruit. If uh, you cut an apple across its midriff, you can see inside it five points to a star. You can see ten dots, and that signifies the Yud and the Hay, the ten and the five of God's uh, uh, supreme name. On the outside, there are five leaves on the bottom of the apple, and there is a stalk on the top that looks like a letter Vov. That's the Vov Hay on the outside of the apple. And so God's signature, we're told, is embedded within each and every apple. And now you take the apple and you dip it in honey. Why? Because we know that everything good comes from God. But we say here, May it be your will, O God, God Almighty, that you should grant us a shana tova, a good and a sweet year. We know that everything that comes from God is good, not always sweet. We hope that it's going to be sweet as well with that dollop of honey um, on the uh, apple as well. We also have on the Rosh Hashanah table, if possible, the head of a fish. We take a look at that, and as we eat a little piece from the head of the fish, a head, yes, the head of the fish with the eyes and all, we take a look at it and we say, we would hope that this will be a year where we will be a Rosh 
and not a zanav, that we will be a head and not a tail. We want to be heads. This is Rosh Hashanah. It's head time. It's not tail time. It's head time. It's the time of thinking about our heads, the powerhouse, the control, and putting ourselves in the right head space is very important come Rosh Hashanah. That may it be God's will that we are like the head and not the tail. We also have a number of other um, traditions on the Rosh Hashanah table, one of them being a pomegranate. And the pomegranate being that it is filled with seeds. We were told there are 613 seeds in a pomegranate, each one like its own different fruit. And when we think about the 613 mitzvot, of course, there is the correlation. We hope that it is a year that is filled with mitzvahs, that is filled with positive energy, that is filled with connections of all types of positive links with godliness, with our Torah, with our mitzvot, and so on. This is the symbol of the pomegranate. There are so many other things. Yes, of course, carrots people make. Carrots, simus, and the carrots in Hebrew is merin, merin meaning that there should be more, more and more good things should uh, be there for us, more sweetness, more goodness. We try and refrain from eating and having on the table anything that is sour or sharp or bitter. Um, people refrain from eating onions, people refrain from eating um, sharp foods, chilies, etc., grain, and so on. We stay away from bitter herbs. We stay away from, um, for Rosh Hashanah. We replace that all with sweetness, with sweet stuff. We stay away from eating nuts. Believe it or not, we do not eat nuts on Rosh Hashanah. And the reason is given is that the word for a nut is a, uh, the same numerical value as a chait, which means a sin. We want to stay away from all sins. We want to try and be imperfect. Behavior. We want to try and make sure that we behave well, that we do everything right and correctly. And this is, in fact, how we go about our Rosh Hashanah preparations, ensuring that we're set up for goodness, ensuring that we're set up for wonderful things, ensuring that we're set up for sweetness, for the great positive energy that we can bring about through that sweetness that we refrain from, that we move away from sourness, from bitterness, from ugliness, from negativity. Not to say that any of those foods are negative or bad or bad for you, but rather the pungency, the strength of them, the power of them, we want to try and replace with sweetness, with uh, uh, sugary sweet, with great positive, positive energy um, as it comes to Rosh Hashanah. We need to remember that on Rosh Hashanah itself, we should spend a significant amount of time in prayer. And the prayers that we should say, whether you're davening, whether you're praying at shul, whether you're praying at home, are contained in something called a machzor. And the machzor is the prayer book for Rosh Hashanah. And in that prayer book, we go through the liturgy. We go through the prayers. One should at least make sure that you say the morning prayer and you say the musaf prayer, the additional prayers. And there are so many that are said in shul. And if you're not in shul, you may feel that you're missing out on them. Well, there's some that I'd like to point out that perhaps are essential and think about saying them even if you're praying at home. One of them is the prayer of Avinu Malkenu. The Avinu Malkenus, which are only said, also only said on the second day of Rosh Hashanah this year, should be said. The Unatana Tokef, Unatana Tokef, the prayer where we say who will live and who will die and so on, that prayer is powerful and you wouldn't Perhaps want to miss that one out, even though it's only contained in the repetition of the Amida. There is the prayer of Lekel Orechdin, where we talk about God and the Day of Judgment, that perhaps should be said, even if you are davening at home. And so, um, let's continue after this break, but just... 
Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, this is Rabbi Michael Katz back with you and uh, looking forward to Rosh Hashanah. And that is what we've been talking about here on Judaism 101.9, thinking about the upcoming Chag, the upcoming festival of Rosh Hashanah over this coming weekend. Um, launching into a brand new beautiful year with a great, great opportunity to make a huge, huge difference. Now, we often think about the Rosh Hashanah in terms of everybody else. Um, it may sound to be counterintuitive, but um, perhaps for a minute we should focus on the fact that we need to think about the Rosh Hashanah in terms of ourselves and not just What can I do for me or what should be done for me? But rather, what power you have, what you can do for others and what you can do in the coming year and what you can do over this Yom Tov to help, to assist, to be um, kind to other people. And yes, we mentioned it before, people volunteering to go and blow shofar, people helping out others perhaps who uh, don't have. There are wonderful, wonderful drives going on throughout our community, and it's marvelous to see for people who don't have food, perhaps, for people who may not be able to make Yom Tov, uh, to help them with a, with a, uh, with food, with clothing, with uh, financially, and so on. There are most incredible, incredible initiatives taking place all over this wonderful community. And when we think about that, well, perhaps you too could be involved in one of those Chesed programs, or Perhaps more than that, think about the incredible, incredible power Hashem has invested in you, the difference that you can make in this coming year, and the difference that you can make in reaching your potential. You have so much potential, and you have so much that you can offer, and so much that you can do, perhaps in the same way as the pomegranate is full of seeds, and we mentioned that before, and perhaps in the same way as the signature of God Almighty runs through the apple, we need to think about the fact that we too have that signature. We have something called the neshama. You have a soul. And that neshama and its power is so, so powerful. It is so, so um, um, strong. And it is so um, great and so wonderful that that strength is something that we need to put to practice, reaching our potential, getting to the level that we were designed, the optimum design that was given to us, that we can perform it. And if there's ever been a time to try and prove that, well, it certainly should be now. Now you have the opportunity to perhaps at home be your own rabbi and cousin, perhaps in your community to uh, take a new role and help out with uh, the incredible initiatives that your community are carrying out. And perhaps in the broader community, there are so many great and wonderful opportunities. This is a time to seize opportunities and to spend some time thinking about how you can reach your potential, how you can really, really get to what you were designed to do. Because, of course, as we're celebrating – Rosh Hashanah, we have to think about the head of the year, and we have to think about the coronation of the king, and we have to think about all of that, but we also have to think about the fact that this is the birthday of man. This is the day on which man was created, and God certainly created man with a purpose, and that purpose 
is within you and that purpose is there and that purpose needs to be explored. It needs to be brought to the fore. It needs to be achieved. It needs to be accomplished. And hopefully as a blessing for all of us for this coming year, may this be the year in which we reach our potential, in which we uh, see through the uh, power that is invested within us. And that will make all the difference, not only to us, not only to this Rosh Hashanah, to the whole year, but to the whole world as well. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So yes, of course, not to uh, criticize as I sometimes do the uh, ad that is just played there where we talk about Judaism 101. We actually call it Judaism 101.9. Yes, that's the name of this station, 101.9 High FM. And of course, that is the whole play on it. This is Judaism 101.9. But let me not hop on that. Let's rather think about summing up of uh, what we need to think about and know coming into this coming Rosh Hashanah. And perhaps the best advice is it is Rosh Hashanah. Let's make sure that our head space is correct. It is Rosh Hashanah. It is the head of the year. Let's make sure that the head of the year is everything that it should be and that it needs to be. Let's make sure that we have the right commitment and the right application. Let's ensure that we hear the shofar on Sunday. Let's make sure that we have a commitment that we are going to be more involved in trying to reach our potential, in trying to reach the um, actual headspace that we would that 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 we have and the, uh, the 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 power that we were designed to fulfill in this beautiful wonderful world and let's ensure that this Rosh Hashanah not only brings in such a glorious and wonderful brand new lease on life for everybody but that it is a year that is filled with blessing that the brachas the blessings that we wish each other. I certainly wish to you that you should have a year filled with great and wonderful and beautiful things, with happiness, with joy, with simcha, with brachas, with blessings, abundant blessings, with uh, parnasa, with uh, um, wealth, with happiness, with health, with everything that you could wish, as they say, for yourself. Hopefully it will be showered upon you tenfold. And that each and every one of us, should hopefully enjoy a great and wonderful and beautiful new year together with all Jews everywhere, together with the entire humankind around the world. And please, God, this will be the time when we will not only herald the arrival of a brand new year, but ultimately God's great promise where we will reach a year and a time when Mashiach will come, when all troubles and illnesses will be dispensed with, where we really will beat the curve, where we really will be able to say that no longer will there be pandemics and no longer will there be wars, but there will be peace, there will be health, there will be joy, there will be happiness. And what a wonderful world we'll be able to live in um, when that all comes to fruition. So I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Rosh Hashanah coming up um, over this coming weekend. Spend the time well. Enjoy it. Remember, that is part of the system. That's part of the Chag. Make sure that it is beautiful, that it accomplishes everything that it needs to. And a Shana Tova Umetuka, a happy, healthy, and a sweet year to each and every one of you. And I look forward to chatting with you again next week, same time, same place, on Judaism 101.9.